The Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. Uh, hello, I'm Ellis Dixon, Content and Digital Marketing Manager at the IPBN, and I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Paul Rees in this podcast. Paul Rees is the founder of the property investment company Rural Properties, which is active here in Portugal, um, to which Paul is no stranger. Um, he was first introduced to the Algarve in the 80s uh, and then moved here on a permanent basis in 2002. Um, he went on to set up a couple of businesses there before buying the Algarve Daily News, which he ran for 10 years. Um, all throughout, Paul has been active in real estate, but now he's doing things a little differently and amassing some amazing stories along the way. Paul, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, it's a great pleasure. That's the last 20 years summarized beautifully. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm missing quite a bit, uh, but I, I, maybe you can help fill us in. So before we we go straight into your work in property investment, I'd love to open the floor for you to talk a little bit about Portugal. Yeah, um, it goes back to 82 when my parents retired to the Algarve. They built a house near Amasau de Pera. And so I was a frequent visitor every Christmas, I think, uh, for about 30 years. And then I did uh, end of life care for mum and then dad, which ended in 2010. And I kind of stayed on. I was well established by then. Um, as and you were, said, you, I, were you established at that point in property specifically? Um, when I moved here, I did... Uh, I wondered what to do. And I had some some cash from the UK from selling a house there. So I needed somewhere to live. Um, but first, I finished a villa. My father was halfway through building and was um, having great problems with the contractor. So that was a baptism of fire. And I then went on to build two substantial family homes, um, one of which to live in. So uh, I kind of got the taste for it there and learned a lot of the legals so then went moved on to villa refurbishment and uh, then townhouse renovation and was um, this all strictly done within the algarve at this stage it, it was yeah it, entirely actually um just for convenience um and the algarve then was my was my horizon really um from the fam family connection and doing business there Right. And but now you've you've decided to change things up a little bit. Um, and I, I hear that you've been you've moved to the central region of Portugal, which is probably quite different. It is ex very different. I moved in 2019. I'd finished a project in the Algarve and I had some some time and some money and I was encouraged just to take a couple of weeks off. So like many expats in the Algarve I didn't know the rest of Portugal well at all you know I'd done the obligatory visits to Coimbra and Fatima and Porto and Lisbon um, but I just took some time and drove around and I ended up sort of circling the central region around the Serra de Estrela um, in the spring of 2019 and Instead of relaxing, of course, I'm diving into estate agents and talking to um, lawyers and solicitors and getting quite enthused about um, setting up a business here where the margins were better than the Algarve. Well, and Paul, the, we all relax in different ways, don't we? <laughs> yeah, though, this is this is true. Now, I did have some time off. I did some walking and, and stuff. 
Um, but I did I did look at what I was doing in the Algarve in terms of margin and risk, and the prices there were already rising significantly. So each project was soaking up a lot of money and bank borrowings, um, and hence the financial risk of getting something wrong was higher. So in the central region, I worked out fairly quickly if I could do multiple properties, the margins are would be better. So right. that's why I decided to up sticks and continue that research. And then, of course, get locked down by COVID for a while. But um, so that's uh, that is where I ended up. So, I, yeah, I set up the business here, Rural Properties, that is nominally based in Coimbra, but covers the central region at the moment. I see. And uh, speaking of COVID, I mean, there was a, a, a huge push for lots of families, well, and individuals as well, to um, to kind of give up city living. Have you found that to be true when it comes to Portugal's central region? I did. I mean, the, for the national market, um, the you know, families in Lisbon and Porto invariably have country properties they've inherited anyway. They may be in a poor state. But there's no inheritance tax, as you know, in Portugal. So properties tend to accumulate in families rather than be sold, sold off. Um, and there was a shift, yeah, certainly from the cities to the villages. I noticed a lot more um, Mercedes parked where there weren't before. And people uh, did, did, did move out. I mean, it was, if you think back to that time, it was quite scary. Uh, so people re retreated to their country and their village homes. Uh, and on a longer term basis, people started re renovating, refurbishing, rebuilding, um, their sort of inherited family homes. So they had a, so they had a, a countryside base anyway. So yeah, it, it was noticeable. And many of those people, since covid had altered their lifestyle their working life um and that stuck so it's been good for the good for the countryside if you like the interior mm -hmm. uh you mentioned something earlier um uh, on a previous call we had about mais habitação uh this is a, a legislation and it's quite new can you uh walk us through that a little bit and tell us how it affects your rural property market well it's a quick answer because it doesn't really that the main um, possible pinch point was on the Logimento Locale licensing, but the interior areas, um, due to the low population density, avoids any restrictions on Logimento Locale licenses being issued by councils. And I must say, the, the councils obviously are keen to encourage more tourism, more short-term rentals, and um, you know it, it's a big, big plus point that. Uh, the more dense regions have restrictions. So it's been my Sabatasau in terms of rental has been um, a positive. In terms of the other legislation, I mean, it hasn't gone through as we speak, but a lot of it is to do with the support of low income individuals and families. Um, and if that ends up helping, um, rural areas, it you know it, invariably it will do, but it's uh, the, the legislation is uh, conf confusing and controversial. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that because it drifts into a political arena fairly quickly. Uh huh. Okay. Smart. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you something about uh, rural property specifically. 
um, uh, who who's buying and what types of property are they looking at um, and what, what are their interests? There's two main markets. One is the market for Portuguese that live here or, or residents that live here that want to move out of out of Lisbon and Porto primarily. Um, and they're not being forced out economically. Um, you know, a lot of people, if they've got an apartment in Lisbon are now selling selling it and doing very well. Thank you very much. There's a plus side for um, you know all the pressure we read about on pricing. Uh, there's a plus side to that in that the sellers are doing very nicely uh, and people are retiring early, then moving to the countryside with significant additional funds having sold up in the in the cities the the main market though remains incoming foreigners um many of which uh are taking advantage of the tax breaks from non-habitual residency tax breaks and they're both retirees and and younger yeah the, the rural life suits are um younger couples so there's actually pressure on international schools and local schools uh, from incoming families so it's yeah it, it's a mixture but it's you know we read a lot about the number of immigrants coming to Portugal uh, which is a good thing in rural areas and they're hugely welcomed right well I was going to ask about uh, the schools and, and the infrastructure that's that's probably uh, sprouting up to to receive uh, these these new types that are buying property in the in the rural regions. Um, so that's obviously a plus for those regions themselves and a plus for uh, for newcomers to the, the area. But what about the um, are there any other pluses and minuses uh, that that maybe they should be aware of uh, about rural life in, in the region, in the central region? Well, the main thing is you get more for your money. Um, so a, a big plus is you can buy a property here at a fraction of the price in the cities and in in the south and indeed along the much of the coastline of Portugal. So if you're arriving here with a you know the, a certain amount of capital, it goes a lot further in rural areas, um, which is a big plus. The the other plus people think rural is kind of Hicksville, but since people uh, since Portugal joined the EU, the the investment in infrastructure has been massive. So the road system, the motorway system, um, and indeed what's left of the rail system is hugely functional. Um, so I live exactly equidistant between the two airports, Lisbon and Porto. And to get to each, it's an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, I, I don't fly to the country that much, but it's, you know, it would take me that to get from central London to Heathrow. I would say the same about New York. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah. So the pluses are, yeah, you get more for your money. In terms of schooling we brushed on, there are international schools. Um, they're now developing waiting lists, but they're private and the private sector will respond to demand. So there will be more opening. Um, the local schools are filling up with happy foreigners and things like... Um, hospitals had health care um provision is is good um there are major hospitals i'm equidistant again between coimbra and castella branco which both have fantastic hospitals but each council area has its own health provision as well um 
so yeah that's that's it you know it's functional there's electricity the phones work (laughs) people wear suits yeah yeah it's not not portugal in the 50s you know we've come out of the black and white era and i'm a big fan i must say the area i live in is very geographically very much like um, parts of scotland it's achingly beautiful there's plenty of rivers forests it's uh, a f- fantastic place to live if you're bringing up a family if you're retiring yeah. if you don't need, need to be 10 minutes to the beach etc well yeah uh, and this kind of this kind of uh, character sketch probably helps you select the properties that you want to work on um with a little bit more you know a, a little bit more surety it, i guess say yeah it does i mean there's there's a property for everyone i know what i avoid um but the the properties we concentrate on are village and edge of village properties um two three bedroom with with garden nicely done up with you know heating and cooling systems which suits retirees people who want to potter 10 minutes to a town you know there's thousands um i certainly have no shortage of stock um the ones i avoid are big farmhouses in the middle of nowhere um (laughs) those those tend to be bought by people that want to do them up themselves which is absolutely fine um it is kind of self-selecting and we've moved into towns now as well um and have bought some historic properties, one of which dates back to the 1300s. So we're doing a bit of uh, a bit of careful renovation on Portugal's patrimony as well. Ah, so, I, I'd love to. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that property in particular. Um, I know that there's some interesting, uh, well, work that you've been doing with the uh, Cameroon Municipal and other uh, other state and government agencies in order to keep uh, to keep things above board. Uh, and also do things in a, a way of more conservation than exploitation, shall we say? Yeah, I mean it's it's a mixture of both. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I run a business and I have shareholders, so I need to make a profit. But some of the old buildings, because Portugal has, um, I mean, I'm used to the UK where there's a system of grading old properties. Um, in Portugal, there some are patrimony of the state um the rest aren't there are historic areas in in many towns within which you have to offer any property you're buying you have to offer it to the council first not that they have much interest in it at all um so rarely it's um it's down to the developer to use his skill and judgment to see what is savable and uh i do it very much with an with an eye to resell you know if i can ex- expose old stonework if i can uh, retain ancient beams um it actually to my eye makes a more attractive finish anyway to show the the, the structure of old properties that the, the one you hinted at is in pedroga grand which was i think talking to the archivist at the camera um there's there's records going back to the late 1200s i mean it's a ridiculous period of time for this country um which was an old monks uh sort of monk run guest house um i love this attached to a 
not physically attached, but around the corner to to a church, um, which was on a a north a north south route. So it it could be a pilgrim route, but more likely a trade route or, or a mixture of the two. So it was a place where people stayed, run by the monks in the church, uh, and the records go back, you know, on vellum go back. <laughs> is it is mentioned, mentioned if you like um, hundreds of years ago. Uh, Latterly was used, the downstairs was a bar and a shop. Um, and the upstairs clearly was redeveloped in, I'd say, mid-1800s, judging by the materials and the layout. So I'm faced with a mixture anyway of, of very old and very new. It's clear, clearly, the bar area probably was always a bar. Um, there's some... Yeah, there's some massive structures involved, enormously thick walls and ancient beams. Um, but I will redesign it, repurpose it using those features, but making a comfortable three or four ensuite bedroom home with a 600 meter garden out the back. So Sounds fabulous. It kind of pulls the house back to, well, is it pulling it back? It's, it's developing it into something hugely usable will last another hundred years. Um, and it's it's changed it's had a change of purpose, certainly, in, in that it's a mixture now of commercial and residential. So it's going back back to residential, which is where the need is. No, nobody needs a, another bar and a shop, you know, if you look at the amount that are closed. So it's and working with the council, they're hugely encouraging. That they think it's extraordinary somebody wants to buy the old place and and turn it into a home. They think it's fantastic. Well, it's that's a, marvelous. I mean, they must not be very used to this kind of uh, interest in in properties. I assume that the competition in that area is uh, is few and far between. What can you tell me about that? In terms of competition to buy places, um, yeah, this one was on the market for. I'd say two, two to three years, um, at a price that, that a highly reasonable price. But an individual looking at that without the sort of resources that we've got in the company, um, it would be an extraordinary um, undertaking for an individual. Not, not to say it can't be done, but the, yeah, there are other easier options if you're a, if you're a family. Um, doing it as, as a business we can turn it around quickly we know what we're doing um and it's i wouldn't say it's simple but it's a, a fun and pleasurable pleasurable uh uh repurposing of a house the, the, the competition generally um who, who am i up against when buying um it's really it's individuals it's people wanting to buy and do up a house uh themselves which is absolutely fine there's a secondary market much smaller of people who already are here who've done up their house have some spare money and want to do another one maybe to um, have a second home as a, a logimento locale or to let um, but there's nobody organized in the way that this nimble business is the, the bigger builders stick to lisbon um that I, I talk to some of them and, and they say because of the paperwork involved basically in rural areas and it is i've yet to meet a, a property where the paperwork has been in anywhere near correct um they say actually you've got a really good niche because nobody's got the 
the time <laughs> the time and inclination to take on what you do and i can spend six months sorting out paperwork on a property before buying it and it's fine because it doesn't matter when i buy it you know but to be uh, fair six months is pretty much record time from what i've heard so uh, i'd say you're doing quite well if six months is the worst you can do then <laughs> honestly <laughs> i give you major kudos for that because it, it requires a lot of patience dedication lots of phone calls uh lots of organization yeah, and it, it can it, be quite frustrating yeah it can it can be but i must say the local services in terms of land registry um finances uh, and the councils in rural areas i've yet to found find one that has been grumpy offhand dismissive or irritating i mean it's a real open door policy that's amazing uh, well let me on, on that point um besides besides you going to finances and uh, and dealing with happy people for once uh let me let's talk about your labor supply you said that most people want to work in the cities um is it an issue for you to find labor to help you with these projects um we read much about it uh and the answer is no especially subcontractors um electricians plumbers etc um you know people say oh how can you possibly get a plumber to come do a house well of course there's a plumber pretty much in every village because not everybody uh wants to up sticks and go and work in in Dusseldorf London or Lisbon you know but people have got family commitments they're they're trained and they run a local business for local people they've got a perfectly good um area in which they operate so that on the subcontract side that's absolutely fine you know and there are building supplies uh supplier depots and it it works pretty well the yeah prices have gone up for certain amount certain products post sort of post covid but in terms of labor there are people here willing to work i mean i needed 12 people to strip a house out one weekend and i got 12 people you know it's not difficult young fit people who want to work so it's um it isn't as much an issue as perhaps we might read about mm -hmm understood um uh, let's go on to the social impacts of your business what can you tell me about this oh well this is just the most rewarding aspect um of what we do because some of the buildings that we purchase well the, i'd say all of them are empty i we're not displacing somebody um and because there's an you know, an empty building in a village, sometimes it's been empty for 20 years, uh, people are absolutely delighted. Uh, they're astounded that something's actually happening to the old place um, and are delighted and welcoming. I'm suspicious at first when the when the sort of truck turns up and noise starts, but um, generally people... Obviously, in a village, they'll know the family that owned it. They'll know who was born there, who died there. That the, They give me all the history, all the missing pieces. And it's been really hugely rewarding. There's also a catalytic effect um, of people taking a bit more pride in their surroundings, if you like. And I do notice that when we've started work in a village, by the time we finish, two or three other houses have popped up for sale. They, they tend to get offered to me first, but that there is a sort of economic 
um, spin-off, if you like, uh, where people see a nicely presented house or something that's nearly finished and think, oh, well, that's that, that looks a better, a nice place to live. And that, that there's one particular example in a, a pinprick of a village where when we started, it's the first house to have been sold there for about 10 years. And now there are three houses being renovated, all by foreigners, and there are another two for sale. And this is a, a village of 35 houses. So in that, terms of social, yeah, social effects, yeah, it's, it's, there's an economic effect and, and a social effect. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that people start uh, dusting off their paintbrushes to to spruce up yeah. their houses once you, once they hear you're coming to town. That's great. Um, but let's talk about uh, the future. Um, where do you see rural properties being in three years' time? It's defined very much by the market, and the market is growing and will grow with it. Will we lead the market? Yes, I think so. Um, n- nobody else is doing what we do, so I'll grow both geographically uh, and in terms of of numbers um the, it's probably interesting to point out that the way the company's funded um in that it uses investors investors money for specific projects and then there's a profit share at the end of it that's how we've been able to expand relatively quickly it's not been it's not been my cash uh, and not there's no bank borrowing so it's it's um people that see the profitability and there's more and more of those um i'm getting a lot as we grow um it's a sort of snowball effect more and more people realize they can fund something that's socially acceptable that's uh, economically rewarding um so the growth could be linked specifically to that but we're also looking at other sources of funding to grow quicker. So in three three years, I would like to be doing 10 times the business and, and be in a far wider area. Um, if, eventually, I'd like to be in the, the north of Portugal, the centre, and probably the Alentejo, but that would be number three, in that that has um, its e- economy there is slightly influenced by the Algarve and Lisbon. So it's... Uh, probably the third market but the the north certainly would be a um, my next region to set up in so in three years i hope still to be busy but have a lot more um management structure a lot you know to the business will develop that will develop along with the along with the demand but what we've proved in these early years is what we're doing is right and it's fun and it has a good social social and economic impact I just think what it is that you're doing is fabulous. Uh, we This isn't the first time we've spoken about it. Uh, if you'd like to read more on the topic of Paul and of uh, rural properties, you can go over to island-portugal.com and check out the Spotlight Series article that we did uh, only a few weeks ago. But um, it's this this man has a wealth of stories, and I'm I'm gutted we can't spend more time going through all of them because they really are um, they're inspiring, uh, and especially in this this overlooked region of the country, I, I really do appreciate what you do, and I appreciate the fact that you're bringing a little bit more visibility to this kind of forgotten area, um, and uh, and you're you're helping it survive, I think. So that's that's very, very applaudable. Um, so I, again, I, I would like to thank you for joining us today uh, and giving us really an incredible look at what you do. 
the network and on behalf of myself, I guess, wishes you all the best of luck in all your endeavors and are happy to help in any way. Uh, so thank you again for joining us today. That's fantastic. I've enjoyed talking to you as I always do. Um, and I think you've said in a very polite way, I do go on and on, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can, that's the trouble. I'm, I, I'm still no. enthusiastic. Well, the day I started, so. <laughs> I can say with all certainty that you're probably one of the best guests to have it around a dinner table. Uh, so if, if that's <laughs> if that's any consolation to you, there it is. Um, well, you have the full support of the IPBN. Uh, if there's anything else we can help you with, please let us know. And to all you listening out there, uh, if you're interested in being uh, the subject of a spotlight interview or of a podcast or masterclass series, please get in touch. Uh, you can contact us via the website or email Arnold directly. Uh, thank you all again for joining us, and uh, we hope to see you in our next episode. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pink Room. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.